Hey, uh, we're in uh, the, the book of Philippians in our chapter today. If you're visiting, thank you for just carving time out of your day. There are incredible churches all around Cincinnati area, and uh, there's churches going up everywhere. And so we thank you for just coming and uh, just checking us out. And uh, we would love, we would love to meet you. Uh, we would love uh, for you to feel like you could be a part of this family. Um, uh, if you are visiting, feel free to fill out a Connect card, either, either on our phone app um, or on a hard copy in front of you. And just turn it into the welcome kiosk and take a guest bag uh, and an elevation mug. We just want to get to know you. We just want to connect you. And uh, it's amazing what God has been doing these past seven years here in Blanchester at Elevation Community Church and all around us. Um, we're in a chapter a day. It's not a series. It's a lifestyle. And so sometimes uh, we get caught, uh, we get caught um, behind maybe or uh, seasons of life draw us away further and further. Uh, wherever you are, just jump on where we are. We're going to read through the book of uh, Philippians, and then uh, we're also uh, jumping into Colossians as we speak. Um, but we're going to dwell on Philippians today. Um, I cannot encourage you more um, to tune into the podcast every Tuesday and, be, and, and throughout the week. Um, it really just, it's just real people connecting you to real hope. And uh, processing the same very scripture that you yourself are reading. Uh, it's about 30 minutes, so you can listen to it on your commute. By the way, we had over 125 people view live stream last Sunday. Well, we were freezing our butts off. Uh, hopefully you were warm. But uh, uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, that was really, really cool. And um, I even want to give a shout out to Ricky Roush, who plays our piano. Uh, plays the piano, not our piano, but... Um, he and his brothers have been servicing our HVAC unit, so thank you guys for doing that. And um, we got one running, and with the Christmas offering that we have brought in, we're going to be able to get the other one running, uh, if not replaced. So thank you for your generosity. Thank you so much. And um, if you still have the Christmas offering and you haven't been able to give it, give it, drop it in at the giving station, but just mark that it's for the Christmas offering, okay? Philippians, if you have your Bibles with you, I would love for you to turn to Philippians and read it for yourself. We're going to stay in Philippians 95% of the time today. And uh, if you have your phones, go ahead and turn to that. Our Elevation app actually has the version, the Bible app on it. And most of them will be on the screen. Um, this letter, of course, is to those believers in Philippi otherwise known as Philippians, okay? Paul is writing this from a prison or house arrest um, in, in Rome, probably around 61 to 62 AD, and he's sending this letter back with Ephroditus to give spiritual encouragement and insight to the believers and even unbelievers who are going to read it into the deeper truths of the gospel. So this couldn't be more pertinent to us today. I mean, how many of you know that we need to go deeper into the spiritual truths in order to look more and more like Jesus? I mean, that's just what it is. That's the importance of getting in the word of God. And so he's writing this from prison and... Uh, uh, this is um, 
from scholars, they say that this is one of the very last letters that Paul wrote before his martyred death for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's one of the last letters, and he knew it was coming. He didn't know when, but he was in prison, and he knew that it was ultimately going to lead to his persecution and his death for Jesus' sake. Now that's passion, that's devotion, and something had to have happened to Paul in order to get him to that place. So let me ask you all, young and old, I challenge you to think about this. Let's just say, and I don't wish this on anyone, let's just say that today you found out that you had one week left to live. You knew it was coming. And you had one week left to live. Could we all agree that what really matters in life would become full view? Would you agree? That's what would really be priority, and that would be all you think about. You probably wouldn't be thinking about the errands that you have to run. You probably even wouldn't be thinking about your checkbook or your schedule. You would be thinking about the things that are most important to you. And so let me ask you this. Imagine yourself sitting down calling all your loved ones, your spouse, those closest to you, maybe your best friends, And you're calling them together. Why? You want to tell them what really matters. You want to leave them with the most important thing of your life. So let me ask you, what would that be? What would you share with your kids, dads? Moms, what would you want to tell your children and grandchildren. And if you were writing one of your last letters to all who would read it, what would you say? Because that letter would represent the deepest truth of your heart. That letter would represent what matters most to you. And as we read Philippians, Paul is saying, this could be my last letter. I am pleading with you to hear my heart. This is what matters. This is what drives me in every step I take. And obviously, I'm not dead yet. I'm not to the point of death yet. So obviously, there is a purpose in me still being alive. And so I'm going to write this letter, and he just, forgive my speech, but he just vomits this letter out. I mean, just look at the run-on sentence. He is just just bringing it, because he doesn't know if it's his last choice or last chance or not. And so, as we open the Word of God to Philippians, We need to understand what really matters in life. And Paul gives it to us in these four chapters of Philippians. He's saying, church, hello, church, keep the main thing the main thing. Keep the main thing 
the main thing, and you will not be drawn astray. You will not fail, and you will not be forsaken. Keep the main thing the main thing. So what in the world is the main thing? Well, he tells us right away in verse 9. Philippians 1, 9 through 11. Follow with me. I pray that your love will overflow more and more. And that you will keep on growing in the knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters. That's his letter. That's what your letter would be. <coughs> Children, I want you to understand what really matters. Let's not talk about our argument last week. Let's not talk about your allowance. Now, let's not talk about your boyfriend that I don't approve of. Let's talk about what really matters. So that you may live pure and blameless. That's what matters. Until the day of Christ's return. Because he is coming back. And may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. The righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. And just like we said uh, in podcast past. And um, we touched on it last Sunday. Do you know why you exist? Why were you created? Why did God make you? He made you for himself in the context of relationship to proclaim the excellencies of God. That's why you exist. And so he's saying here what really matters is your life in Jesus Christ so that the fruit of that will bring much glory and honor to God. That's it. That's it. So what Paul is saying here is this letter, everybody, who is reading it, this letter is going to lead you to what really matters. And when you understand what really matters, and when you're able to apply it and, and live that kind of life, guess what's going to happen? You will live a blameless and pure life. And you will be filled with all the fruit of God because he lives in you. So what really matters, church? Our culture and many churches say good works matter. As long as you're a good person, that's what matters. You've got to know the Bible and especially the right translation. That's what matters. No. No. Paul did not die for that. What matters is Philippians 3. Turn to chapter 3, verse 8. Would you read this out loud with me? Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. That is everything. Christ Jesus is everything. Hear me. Knowing, not just Jesus is the Sunday school answer for everything. It's knowing Jesus. Knowing him. Not just head knowledge. That knowing is an intimate word. Knowing him in his death. Knowing him in him bearing 
our burdens of sin, knowing him in his sufferings and knowing him in his life and resurrection is everything. Now hear me out on this. Imagine this. If Paul did not have this mindset, if this is not what mattered most to Paul, especially in prison, ready to face his death, this book of Philippians that we're reading today would be completely different. You hear me? Completely different. What we're reading on this page would not be that at all. What we would see is actually this letter filled with self-pity. He is in chains and he doesn't deserve it. He didn't do anything wrong. He was a religious leader and he was in he was in highest regards in all of Israel and all throughout Rome and everywhere. He had it all. He, he would have been focused. What we would have read is focused on the hurricane that just blew into his life, surrounded by prison bars and a house arrest where he couldn't go anywhere. This letter would have been all about dominating our thoughts it would have dominated his thoughts. He wouldn't have been able to see beyond the loss, be able to see beyond his suffering, be able to see beyond his sacrifice. He would have been just like in 2, verse, uh, verse 14. It's the opposite. But he would have been focused on grumbling and complaining, completely discontent with your present circumstances. Have you ever heard people going through that? Maybe you've heard yourself say that a time or two. This letter would have been filled with relationships, being at odds with people, looking for validation in your work, in your success, or even in your children's successes. This letter would have been filled with justification and even blame of why he's suffering the way he is, which would have led to frustration and anger and worry and anxiety and teaching out of angst for his own personal gain to escape death but that's not what we read that's not what we read Paul lays everything down for the sake of this man named Jesus is because he had a revelation of Jesus he experienced Jesus and he was changed by Jesus and he lived a life of submission humility in relationship with Jesus to the point that in Romans 1, verse 16, says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He wasn't ashamed. To the very last breath, even in change, he says in chapter 1, he says, It is for your benefit and the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ that I'm in chains. He rejoiced for his chains and his circumstances. Do we? Do you see what Paul's letter is saying? I mean, just think about that a moment. What is his letter and his life saying? You know what I think it says? Knowing you, Jesus. Knowing you, there is no greater thing 
You're my all. You're the best. You're my joy, my righteousness. And I love you, Lord. Now my heart's desire is to know you more. To be found in you and known as yours. To possess by faith what I could not earn. All surpassing gift of righteousness. If you've been to a Promise Keeper convention, you'll know this song. Knowing you, Jesus. Knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all. You're the best. You're my joy, my righteousness. And I love you, Lord. That's what it's about. That's what really matters is knowing Jesus more and more and more and more and more. That's what matters. Church, that's what matters. And you've got to do whatever you can do to keep that in front of you. For everyone around you, including your kids and grandkids, are watching. What letter are you going to write even now with your life? that people are going to be reading for generations and generations to come? Is it going to be, I tried? I went to church, Jesus. I went to church. I gave my offering. <laughs> he doesn't care about that. He wants, knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. He's my all. He's the best. He's my joy, my righteousness. And I'm going to love him and love others because that's what matters. And when that is what is the main thing of your life, hear me, everything will lock in place. Everything will lock into alignment. Even the death of your child, the death of your parent, even in the midst of job loss, even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of a miscarriage, even in the midst of your marriage just completely broken and a mess, he will bring it together because that's who he is. But it has to be the main thing. I have an illustration. Didn't know if I was going to go here, but I'm going to go here. Jacob, would you come on up, brother? Pastor Jacob of our youth, he's doing, this guy is the bomb, just so you know. This guy is the bomb. And uh, we've been working out together, and boy, this guy has hip-hop moves. That's all I'm going to say. And so what I want you to do is hold this ball. Now, the rule is, 
you cannot take your hands off this ball in order to hold it and grip it. And so what I want you to do then, though, is I want you to catch this ball with your hands. Okay? Ready? Catch. Well, catch it with your hands. Okay? Good. Ah, okay. Let's try it one more time. And don't take your hands off the ball. Ready? Catch. Thank you, Jacob. Spiritual truth right here. What you're holding on to, whatever you're holding on to, the things that come at you, if you grab onto those, you will drop whatever you're holding on to. You cannot catch and hold on to something else when you're holding on to this. This is Jesus. If you are holding on to Jesus, nothing else that comes your way can take hold of you. It's because you're holding on to Jesus. But the moment that you grab on to fear, the moment that you grab on to doubt, the moment that you grab on to selfishness and self-pity is the moment you drop Jesus and hold on to that other thing. And all of Philippians that we're going to look at the rest of our time together is all about keeping the main thing the main thing. When what matters to you in Jesus and you're holding that, everything will fit together. Why? Because you can't hold on to anything else. So, number one thing that we see in our lives, in the lives of the Philippians, and Paul had the answer. He was so confident he had the answer that he said, imitate me, y'all. Follow me. Because I'm holding on to Jesus and nothing else is going to take my grip. So let's look at spirituality. If you didn't value spirituality, you would not be here. If you did not value spirituality, you would not be looking into Christianity. You would not be looking for truth. So spirituality, as we found out two weeks ago, it's Jesus plus nothing. Say it again with me. Jesus plus nothing. And what Paul was facing is people in Philippi and all over in the Ephesus and Corinth, and they were trying to say like uh, otherwise. They were trying to say, no, 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 no. In order to be spiritual, you still need to have Jesus. That's fine. But you need to be circumcised. No, no, no. You need to still have Jesus, but you still need to obey the law. All of it. No, you still have to have Jesus. You can have Jesus, but don't hang out with those who aren't due. And Paul ravishly attacked them and called them dogs and said, do not listen to them. It's because they were dropping Jesus and picking up other stuff and saying that's true spirituality. True spirituality 101 is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Spirituality, it's, it's here. You have everything for life and godliness. Just hold on to it. Don't grab anything else. Don't let everything, anything else give you a label but Jesus. When we try to find true spirituality through anything else but Jesus only, we actually end up distancing ourselves from Jesus. Philippians 3, let's just read through that real quick. Philippians 3, verse 4 through 10. Though I myself have reason for confidence. So he's coming against these people. He's saying, you've missed it. This is not what matters. And if it is what matters, 
if this really is what matters of Jesus plus something and theology and Christian service and all of this stuff, then I have the reason to boast. And he says, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. I'm circumcised on the eighth day. Good for you, Paul. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, that we don't have to do that. Uh, of a, sorry, of the, the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, of a Hebrew of a Hebrew as to the law, uh, a Pharisee as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. I mean, he was given full authority to wipe out Christianity. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as lost. You know what that word also is? Rubbish. You know what it is? Dung. A dung heap. What he's saying, I'm sorry, but, but whatever I gained, I had counted as poop. It's crap. It's crap. It doesn't matter what I've done or how people view me or what authority and power and wealth and success I have. It's crap compared, compared, compared to the sake of Christ. I've counted everything lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing you, Jesus. That's the main thing. The main thing, church, it's not about having biblical knowledge. I'm not saying that's bad. Don't quote me on that. I'm saying that's not the main thing. The main thing is not your right theology. The main thing is not being a good person or attending church or going through wor the worship moments uh, movements. The main thing easy, even, easy, blah, isn't even having your Bible on your nightstand or your coffee table. It isn't serving the church and the community, living a moral life, and even reading the scriptures every day. It doesn't mean anything if Jesus isn't the treasure of your heart. It means nothing. Nothing. What matters is Jesus having a personal and intimate, real relationship with him. Having a solid revelation, just like Paul did, of Jesus Christ and who he is and the knowledge of that salvation. And thirdly, it's all about a personal understanding and revelation and application of the word of God in your life. That's what matters. That is true spirituality because it starts with Jesus and it ends with Jesus. I believe if we kept this of what matters most, our church would change. Our church would be different. Your marriages would change. Teens, your schoolwork and your friendships and what you do at school will change. I promise you. Your attitude, your mindset will change. It has to because you're holding on to Jesus. You can't hold on to anything else. So our true spirituality is Jesus plus nothing equals spirituality. Number two, our love. How we love. How we love. Philippians 1.9 says, let me read it because I don't have it memorized. Pastor Daniel does because he's, man, he knows every scripture. Just test him after church. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> love you, Daniel. Verse 9. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and discernment. 
And then it says this. Oh, it's on the screen. Isn't that something? (laughs) Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Hello. Have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was God incarnate, he did not count his authority and his spiritual incarnation and his divinity a thing to be grasped, but he humbled himself and became nothing. He took the form of a servant and became obedient even to the point of death. He was born in likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's our Jesus. And when we're holding on to Jesus, we can love like Jesus because that love, just like in, um, I want to say it's Romans Do I have it in my notes? Sorry. No, I don't. In Romans, it says that his love was put into our hearts by his spirit. The spirit of God put his love. And so we're able, as long as we're holding on to Jesus and holding on to the main thing, we can love like Jesus. What would people say about you differently if you lived your life like that? Let me even ask you this hard question. What people may come to Christ because you live your life like that. To love unconditionally. Not to cling to your limitations and your rights and your relationships. Doesn't matter what anyone's done to you. They nailed Jesus to the cross and yet he went willingly and he laid down his life. We are called to love like that in our marriages, in our parenting, in our families, in our work relationships, in our small groups, in our ministry teams. We're to love like that. But what are you holding on to? What are you holding on to? When we hold on to what matters most, our love will truly abound and pour over into every area of our lives. And when we're holding on to Jesus, that love is not based on feelings and circumstances. It's based on others. Counting them more significant than yourselves. Why? Not because what they've done or said to you. Not because they earn it or deserve it. It's because Jesus loves them. And he's called you to love them too. And by your love for others, people will know that Jesus lives in you. Boom. Thirdly, our eternal perspective. I'm convicted on this one. There's so many times I live my life not with the perspective of eternity. Do you realize that we're not living for heaven? You're not. You're not. You're living from heaven. Because in Christ you are already seated in heavenly places with him. You are ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. You are citizens of of heaven we are foreigners here this is not our home our home is the eternal home Philippians 1 21 
through 24. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Jesus, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Our desires and our affections need to be for heaven. That is what we're aiming for. And that is what we're looking towards. And that is why we're on a mission to bring others to the good news of Christ. Ephesians 2 verses 5 through 6 talk about our ultimate home. That he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Not your works not you even deserving it, but by grace, and raised us up with him and seated us in heavenly places. In Philippians 3, verses 20 to 21, says this, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like Jesus' body, the glorious body, by the power that enables him to even subject all things to himself. We will have heavenly bodies. We will know each other, but we will have heavenly bodies. And I get, this is going to be paradise. Just take the most incredible pleasure that you could ever dream of here on earth and multiply that by a million. It's going to be amazing. And we are going to be seeing Jesus face to face in all of his glory. Guys, if we even had more than a glimpse of his glory, we wouldn't be able to contain it. But we're going to see him and we're going to be found in the fullness, in the likeness of himself. Even the angels are jealous that we have a song that even the angels cannot sing. The angels don't have it like we have it. They're creatures they're not living temples with the Spirit of God in them. It's going to be amazing. Do you look forward to heaven or do you have all these questions of what it's going to be like? Search the scriptures. And I can't promise, but I, I, I'm leaning towards doing a series on heaven so that we can really understand what it's going to be like and that we'll start to be motivated to live from heaven here on earth So when holding on to Jesus, guess what happens? Our desires are all about to see him in all of his glory and his majesty. That's why we worship him now. We long for a new earth. We long for a new earth. Only the light of Christ is going to bring newness to everything around us. This place, this, 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 this world is so dark and without God in the, in the center of it. And that's going to come to pass where Jesus is going to be the light. He is going to be the center of everything and make all things new. And guess what? We're going to be spiritually and morally absolutely brand new and perfect. Thank God. You're going to be new. No, no more sorrow. Those of you who are living in chronic pain, no more pain. No more tears. No more, no more grief. No more shame. It's, it's going to be extraordinary. But we need to have what matters in our lives is Jesus and knowing Jesus, which then draws us to live from heaven 
for that heavenly goal. And lastly, we look at our minds, our thought lives. This is what gets a lot of us so distant from the main thing. I really believe it. Probably 90% of us in this room struggle with what we hold on to in our thought life, our attitudes, our belief, and our identity. If you could capture this, I believe it would transform you completely. Philippians 2, verses 3 through 8, says this. Follow along with me. We're almost done. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. And then let's go to Philippians 2, verses 14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Hold fast to the word of life, so that the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain. What he's saying is hold on to Jesus and you will be the light of the world. Everything will fall into place. If you are bickering and grumbling and holding jealousy and envy and conceit, you're not holding on to Jesus, but you're holding on to something else. And before you know it, what you hold on to starts to have a hold on you. I want nothing but Jesus to have a hold on me. What are you allowing to have a hold on you and your mind and your thoughts and your attitude because they're all tied together? It's my, one of my favorite verses of all time. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always because you know Jesus. You can rejoice no matter what the circumstance Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious for anything. Stop. Boy, is that contrary to our lives. He's saying, do not be anxious for anything, but pray. Hold to Jesus. Pray. And when you're holding to Jesus, guess what you're going to do? You're going to be thankful. And thankfulness is the key to peace if you're holding on to thankfulness you can't hold on to anxiety if you're holding on to peace you can't hold on to control do you know what anxiety is anxiety is you trying to control what is not yours to control let it go it's not yours to control yeah there's something you're responsible to provide and nurture your children and to raise them up to know their Savior, Jesus. You have that control, but you don't have the control when they get the keys to the car, when they have their license, and they go off, and you're just full of anxiety that they're going to get in a car crash. You have no control over that. What are you holding on to? I have a three-month-old, almost a four-month-old. Sometimes I wake up in the night, and I don't hear breathing. Now run to the crib. (laughs) You know what I'm starting to do? Jesus, she's yours. I'm not getting up. Unless she cries and needs me, I'm not getting up. She's yours. 
You're holding on to Jesus and that's everything. But then once you hold on to anxiety and fear, all of a sudden, Jesus has been dropped. Don't drop Jesus. Why are you dropping Jesus? He's everything. But in everything, in prayer and with thanksgiving, let your requests known, be known to God. He cares. He wants to know. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts. When you're holding on to trust and surrender to Jesus, you cannot hold on to fear and anxiety. You can't. It's just going to bounce off. The moment you grab it, though, and you're filled with anxiety, make the choice to pick Jesus back up. And how do we do that? We renew our minds and we fix our things on the thoughts of God. It's on here. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And then he says, what you've learned from me, hey, by the way, imitate me. How many of you can say that? I want to. Can you imagine if we could start telling people, hey, you want Jesus? Just follow my life. Just follow me. And you can as long as you hold on to Jesus. You can. Because that's where righteousness is. That's where peace is. That's where blamelessness is. That's where pure purity is, is in Jesus. And no matter what you're going through, no matter what you are facing right now, Jesus faced death. He laid himself as a sacrifice for us. He was tempted in every way that you and I have been or will be tempted. He has suffered in ways that we will never suffer. And when we're holding on to Jesus, we can say, when peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast caused me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well. With my soul, it is well, it is That's what Paul meant when he can be content in everything, in plenty and in want, in broken relationships or the strongest relationships when you have all the material wealth you need and when you're completely empty and have nothing. If you're holding on to Jesus, he's going to hold on to you. I'm going to ask the band to come up and I want to read you the favorite, my favorite poem I've ever read and it's actually on a canvas in my office. So if you ever come by, read it. And it's called, It Makes Me Wonder. And after this, the band's going to lead into worship. And I'm, I'm just going to ask you, whatever the Lord is putting on your heart, to hold on to Jesus, whatever that looks like.
coming to the altar and surrendering yourself and picking up Jesus and laying it down at the cross, do that. Taking a knee right where you are, just do that. Because what matters most is not what people think about you. It's not what you appear to be. It's not anything but Jesus. You're holding on to Jesus. And what matters most is that he's holding on to you. Church, what will your life, what's, let me rephrase that. What letter will your life write? What book of Philippians at the end of your life and even now, right now, will be written of what matters most? It says, Lord, sometimes I wish I was the one who always had the stage. That people thought I was wonderful and always gave me praise. I'd love to get the glory. I'd love to steal the show. I'd love to watch them standing when I look into the rows. But what if today, when I walked on stage, I found that I was alone and all the seats were empty and everyone else was home. Can I honestly say that I would stay and do my best for you if no one else was there to notice the things that I do? Lord, it makes me wonder. Would I give it my all if I were just standing on an empty stage? Would I still go to the distance if no one gave me praise? Would I want to shine so brightly if I was only in heavenly light? Lord, would I care to share if it was just you here tonight? What motivates my actions in everything I do? Am I just serving me while pretending I'm serving you? Lord, you know how much I need to hear that everyone knows my name, but if they don't know yours, how much have I really gained? So if I should ever stand on stage and listen to the cheers, remind me that it's just noise, unless yours are the claps I hear. Whatever I do in this life, Jesus, may I always long for your praise. When I look to the world for esteem, may your blood humble me back into place so I can hold on to you. And if I should ever get angry for not receiving the credit I'm due, Lord, remind me that instead of a pat on the back, they gave a cross to you. Would you stand? Would you close your eyes all over the place? And would you please just lift your hands to God? God, right now, I just pray that every person would make the decision to hold on to you, Jesus. Maybe it's the first time that they've ever really truly experienced your love and all of a sudden they've got, their eyes have been opened and they understand that you are the only answer. I pray, Lord, that their prayer of salvation would be, Jesus, I believe in you, you have forgiven me, and now I hold on to you. I don't know what that looks like, but I hold on to you, Jesus. Show me your heart. Show me your ways. I can't do this on my own. I need you. I want to hold on to you the rest of my days, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus, for it has changed my life. And I'm going to live for my heavenly identity and my position as heir to Christ. Everything has been given to me through Christ Jesus, and I'm going to live it out holding on to Jesus. Because I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Let's worship.